Blog Talk Radio. All right. Good afternoon, everybody. Good afternoon. This is Kim with Black Free Thinkers, and we are here to challenge you to think and live for yourself. And again, we are here to challenge you to think and live for yourself. We are black free thinkers, but not the Kanye and Candace Owens kind. I need for you to understand and to know that. So I wanted to say, hey, guys, thank you. I've been looking over the reports for the number of downloads and listens um, from the beginning of the year till now, and I would like to thank you guys for being patient and understanding for those that aren't aware. Um, I haven't done a show since December. I did a show in April, and I choked, and there's a reason for that. Um, You know, this year started out with a bang. You know, it was more than a bang. It was like a direct shot to the heart. And within the 35 days, the first 35 days of the year, I lost two of my aunts and my mom. And my one aunt that passed away, we found out about her passing away during my mom's service. So it's been difficult. It's been real difficult. So I tried to do a show in April, and I just kind of fell apart. And I don't apologize for that. I need for you to understand that I do not apologize for that. Yeah, and, uh, you know, the show was kind of shaky because of the microphone. I didn't check things out. So, you know, I kind of pulled it back. But, you know, I don't apologize for that. You know, I love my aunts and I love my mom very much. And to lose them in that succession as quickly as it happened. You know, and and especially the third one, when it was during my mom's service, it was um, devastating. And so, you know, for those of you that have sent well wishes and thoughts and, you know, prayers, blessings, however you sent whatever my way, thank you so much. I appreciate it. And um, it's been rough, you know, but we're getting through it, my family and uh, as well as myself. And, you know, I've admitted to you guys in the past that I don't do very well with death. You know, I don't process it very well. But I was able to kind of process my mother's death a little bit better because for the two years before she passed away, um, I was here. The first year I wasn't living here. I moved down. I moved back home for that last year, and I was there, you know, with her, sitting with her, holding her hand, chemo, and just, you know, catering to everything she wanted and she needed, and while I would rather that she be here, you know, she's not in pain, and she's not suffering anymore, so I guess that's what matters. So anyway, I'm going to push on, but, um, you know, again, thank you for those that um, reached out in some capacity. I really do appreciate that, and um, it's getting better. It's better. So maybe one day we'll do a show on grief and basically how to process grief and 
you know, a number of different things like that. But I think a show like that is warranted. You know, it would be difficult, but it's warranted. So probably won't be happening anytime <laughs> soon because it's like I don't want to choke and crash again. You know, right after I did that show, you know, I went right back under the covers and wouldn't come out the house. It was, it was, ooh. So anyway, moving on. So today's show, um, basically I <laughs> titled it, Give These White People Back Their God. And I know some of you are out there like, what in the hell? No. So what I mean by that is basically you, you're here. You see what's happening in this country, and you see what's happening with white Christians in this country. And, you know, I've made myself quite clear in the past, but let me go ahead and make it quite clear again. I am not anti-theist. I am not anti-church per se. I am anti-white Christian. I am anti-white religion. And the reason why I feel that way is because they've taken that Bible, they've taken that religion, and they've weaponized it. Not only against other black Christians or against black Muslims, black and brown Christians and Muslims, you know, you know, now before I go more into that, I am one of those people, I will use the term people of color. But most of the time when I use that that particular phrase, I will say namely black people because I'm black. I've been black a long time. I think I'm going to be black for a long, long, long time coming. So, you know, I do differentiate between the two. But I also think that it's a mistake if I do not address um, you know, ethnicities, other ethnicities, right? Because I see the suffering and I see, you know, the anti-Latinx bullshit. I see the anti-First Nations, Indigenous, Native Americans bullshit out here. But I also understand that there are issues surrounding the power dynamics and some of these other cultures in their anti-Blackness. So I want to make sure that I address that. And then I do talk about this on on the show from time to time. While, you know, we can empathize what's happening because Native Americans are being killed at five times the rate of black Americans. It's not receiving a lot of press and it's not being talked about. But there's also the issue of racism, you know, in the First Nations, you know, in, in the Native American communities. And as a matter of fact, I, I want to do a show specifically on that. And I have to look the book author back up, so get him on the show um, so we can talk about some of these things, you know, about how some black Americans had to sue specifically the Cherokees. And, you know, there are some other First Nations that black people have sued as well to be recognized as part of that particular tribe. And so, you know, these things you know, I am aware of, you know, it's just that when we do these shows, again, it's not meant to be comprehensive. It's not meant to be exhaustive. What it's meant to do when I do these shows, I do it to pique your interest and to encourage you to go out and do some research and reading for yourself. And sometimes I take you down rabbit holes on purpose. Sometimes, hell, I get caught up in them when I'm talking to you. So, (laughs) 
That is how this works. So, um, again, sometimes I use that these terms interchangeably, but when I say people of color, I'm not leaving black people out. There's no way I could do that. And, you know, and when I say black people, you know, I'll say namely black people in most instances. So there's that. But get going back to, you know, you have these white Christians out here using Christianity and the Bible as a weapon against any damn body, even against each other. And, again, there was a book out, and it was basically, you know, I'll go ahead and I'll give um, a shout-out to some of these authors because, basically, you know, you have this book out here that is asking, is God a white racist? And so um, I'm trying to find the name of the book, you know, because I actually have a copy of the book. I just haven't had a chance to really read it. So this was written by William R. Jones, Is God a White Racist? And it's a preamble to black theology. Now, I can see some of my black atheists, agnostics, free thinkers, humanists, secularists, skeptics, whatever the fuck you call yourself. I can see them cringing. Black theology, you know. <laughs> and, yes, you know, I do read books pertaining to theology. And I do actually, you know, still read the Bible. As a matter of fact, um, one of the books that I took from my mother's collection was um, a message Bible I had given to her um, about 20 years ago I gave her that book. Yeah, that was about, has it been, huh? No, I don't think it's been 20 years. We'll say about 17, 16, 17 years ago. And I couldn't find the Bible, the 1611 Bible that I bought her. But my mom threw a lot of stuff out. But I still have a bunch of this stuff. It's just that it's in my storage room and I need to get over there. But, um, you know, I read books like that. Because, I mean, for those, there are some of you out there laboring under the delusion that black Christians do not see what's happening. And they do. Some of them do. You know, I would dare say all of them do. But not everybody is going to react the same way. And unfortunately, with a lot of us, whether we're Christian or not or a non-believer of some sort or, you know, someone who doesn't know and isn't sure, maybe just don't care or whatever, white supremacy has been indoctrinated into all of us. And anti-blackness has been fed to us as well. And so I try to approach it with that particular lens or that filter on, and it used to not be this way with me. You know, if you go back and you listen to some of the earlier shows, um, I've changed. Things have changed. My thought process about a lot of things have changed. And, you know, I'm proud of that change because life is an ever-learning process. And if you're not learning continually and you're not learning daily and you're not open to learning, you know, I feel sorry for you. 
because life and knowledge and experience just doesn't end like that. You know, I've been schooled on some things. I've been called out on some others. And, you know, I do process those things. Sometimes I think about it a little bit too much. Sometimes I take things personal that aren't necessarily personal. And so I've been learning through that process. And that last year with my mom was a real eye-opener because she pointed some things out. She taught me some things, um, you know, chastised me on some things. And um, I'm grateful for that year because it was a one-on-one experience to me and her. But, you know, it was one of the best teaching experiences I could have ever had. You know, and it was important to her to have me around and to, um, you know, try to help guide me because she knew she wasn't going to be here long. But, yeah, so, you know, getting back to that, it's important that you understand the full argument. And what I mean when I say that is although um, you have those of us that are humanists, free thinkers, you got atheists, skeptics, non-believers. You have all of that out here. And you even have some black believers that are, um, as some would say, a little disgruntled, right? And in order for me, in order for me to get a better grasp and understanding of these things, You know, I do read materials written by Christians. I do read materials written by Muslims. I do read materials written by atheists. Um, You know, you have faithists out here. You have black nuns. And also, with the black nuns, let's not get that confused. You know, nuns, period, across the board, that does not mean that they are anti-religion or not religious. Some of them are still religious. Some of them are still spiritual. Um, you know, it's just, again, we are not a monolith. But, you know, it's important for us to understand what's happening. Now, when I say understand, that does not mean sympathize and empathize with some of these people out here. You know, I do not sympathize or empathize with white supremacists, white nationalists, alt writers white identitarians, and I'm introducing that term white identitarians more into my talks, into my vocabulary, because, again, it's another coded word. And for those of you in a secular community, you should be quite familiar with that term, because some of your white atheist heroes use that term a lot. And unfortunately, I think some of you do not necessarily understand what that means. And they may not say white identitarians. They will say that they're interested in identitarian politics. And these are some of the same people. And it's not just the secular community. This is in the Christian community, too. And I need for you to understand that. And, you know, maybe I need to... um, you know, be a little bit more specific about some of these things. But the ones who consider themselves as uh, um, purveyors or students of identitarian politics or whatever, these are some of the same people who are 
anti-identity. Um, anti, basically, they're anti-identity politics, but they're identitarians in which they feel that it is their mandate to go out here and point the finger and tell everyone or tell certain people, you know, that participating in identity politics is bad, is evil, is 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 counterproductive, and there's a reason for that. Because basically they want you to assimilate. And what basically, what that means basically in my opinion is they want you to not necessarily identify as a Christian, not necessarily identify as being a black person, not identify as being a Latinx person, not identify as being a Muslim. They want you to acclimate into this, this, society that is white male dominated and basically they'll say well I don't believe in in um, identity politics but they do especially some of the ones that identify as again atheists some of them that identify as you know white christian patriot right we got a lot of that going on out there and you know white supremacy is the bedrock of a lot of that but, you know, they claim that they don't believe in identity politics, but labeling yourself as an atheist, labeling yourself as Christian, labeling yourself as any of these is identity politics. However, you know, they're able to try or they're able to kind of get around that or they'll try to talk you into a tizzy to say that it is not identity politics because it's just the status quo. It is what it is. And that's one of the things that we're fighting against. We're fighting, you know, to to kind of maintain our own identities, learn who we are, learn what we are. And, you know, personally, I really don't understand um, some of the mindset of some of the black and brown and red people out here that follow along with that and that basically recapitulate these talking points without ever really thinking it through. And they do it under the guise of unity, right? And that's not what that is, or we'll put it this way. They do it under the guise of unity, but what they mean when they say unity is shut up and follow the white people. That is what unity means with some of these black and brown people that are apologists for a number of these white people out here <laughs> that are using, whether it's their religion or their non-religion, as a weapon. You know, and, you know, if I talk about one, I have to talk about the other. And so... um it's tiring, and it's exhaustive. And so what I find interesting is about a month, a month and a half ago, um, something came through my news feed on Facebook, and it was a black atheist who basically kind of washed his hands of certain things and certain white atheists. And basically he was saying that he may do a documentary on being caught up in a white cult, a white atheist cult. 
And I had to clap my hands on that. And I gave him the ha-ha face, you know, because this is something that I've been saying for a while. And so when the title like this, Give These White People Back Their God, you know, I'm talking about these white Christians. But I'm also talking about these white atheists as well. Because for many of them, whether they want to admit it or not, their gods are Richard Dawkins, Sam Harris, Christopher Hitchens. Um, you got the Pinker guy. You know, even though Jordan Peterson professes to be a Christian, I don't know. I'm going to have him toe the line. You know, he's playing both sides. You know, Sam Harris with his atheist group. You know, you have Dave Silverman. And speaking of Dave Silverman, that has been really, really, really interesting to watch, that whole situation. And so, you know, the ha-ha that I get out of some of that is, you know, Dave Silverman was out here heralding about people being outgrouped. And he says, the only people that are outgrouped are assholes and sexual predators. Well, Dave, what's happening over here? going on with you. And I will give you some credit on that interview you did with Dusty in which you all openly you openly admitted that a lot of these atheists, non-believers, humanists, whatever you call yourself, a lot of these conferences are nothing but damn big old orgy. And you know, nothing wrong with that if you're into that thing. But what I don't understand is why did everybody get upset when I said it? And so I've had people say, Kim, they're not upset with the fact that you were telling the truth. They were upset with the fact that you said it out loud. I don't understand that. Because what's so interesting is, especially within these white secular communities, this so-called movement that's dead, and yes, it is dead. Um, within that particular movement, they point the finger at Christians across the board and say, you all should know better when the same shit, if not worse, is happening in the secular community. And what they're trying to do is they're trying to put together this package, this, this PR image of secularism being family-oriented, and it's not. And so, you know, with Dave Silverman, he gave a couple of interviews, and if you want to entertain yourself, go out there and watch them. And, um, well, the interview was a couple of video interviews, but some written interviews out there as well. And, you know, of course I shared it with some folks, and we talked about it. And one person that had um, messaged me, and they were like, the only thing that's missing is touch not mine anointed. And that's true. And I just said that to someone, you know, in a phone conversation. And I was like, the only thing missing is this. You know, now I'm just waiting for him to do a video crying and saying that he has sinned against the community. But that will never happen because he's doubling down. And he's Dave Silverman, and he's doubling down in such a way, to me, is eye-opening. And when I say eye-opening, it's not 
I'm not talking about my eyes being open. My eyes have been open to this all the time. I want to know if you're paying attention. Because if you go and you read one of those interviews that he gave, he talks about the IDW, which is the intellectual dark web. And and basically how those people were outgrouped and how they were able to take that and turn it into money and power. And basically that's what he wants to do. And so he kind of empathizes with them over there, and he wants to be, you know, heralded in the same way where he can command you know, a hundred thousand, two, three hundred thousand, fifty thousand bucks a month, because some of them are making that kind of money, and that's what he wants too. But what's so interesting about that is, you know, again, you have some black and brown people in the secular community that's the same way. And so they're trying to go under the guise of unity, but basically it's just shut up and follow the white people. And with, you know, a few specific people, I'm sitting back and, of course, it amuses and entertains me when I watch this stuff. And basically, so deep down in their shondo, they want to be white men, but a white woman will do. You know, and, and they'll try to find some type of proximity to that power in order to get an edge and to command, you know, the money and the power and prestige. And, you know, the same thing is happening over in the Christian community. So don't don't sleep on that as well. You know, you have people like Daryl Scott, you got Candace Owens. I don't know what the hell going on with Kanye, but you got him and um, Isaiah Washington. That's been really interesting to watch over the past couple of years. But watching them basically fetching stuff for the Republican Party and and particularly Donald Trump, again, power, prestige, money. You you know, we have to throw sex into all of this because that's happening on both sides as well. And so it's just really interesting watching all of this. And, again, when I want you all to – Watch these and read these things, but with a critical eye. You know, I want you to think critically when you're seeing these things because, you know, there's a lot of psychology behind this, a lot of gameplay, the Jedi mind tricks. You all, you, you know, I've talked about this. I've talked about it. And you know, and most importantly, I know that you know better. So I'm going to skip over to Kanye for a little bit. If you all remember, go back listening to those shows in the last couple of years that I did, I talked about Kanye specifically, and I told you guys to keep an eye on him because Kanye was going to basically start his own church. And now all of that is starting to come to fruition. See, the thing is, is that unfortunately with a lot of folks, you don't pay attention. These people announce to you and tell you exactly what they're going to do. Unfortunately, most people aren't paying attention. Or if they are paying attention, they don't believe them. That's how we got 45. But, you know, I told you guys specifically how, you know, Kanye was buying up property all over in the United States. He plans on opening up his own commune. 
And I did address that and how dangerous that can be. And so what I find interesting about this Kanye thing is those of you who were upset with him because he stated that slavery was a choice and a whole bunch of other unfortunate things that came out of his mouth, now you're praising him because he picked up a goddamn tambourine. Really? Is that all it takes? He used the word God. Is that all it takes? And so by saying that, you know, and I can give you many, many more examples of different people who are out here and capitalizing on these things. You know, that is what they're doing. That is, you know, and, and, and it's being accepted. And people are falling for it. You know, I had people telling me I was reaching when I was talking about the pros- um, the prosperity gospel of Donald Trump. Look at what's happening. And so, and I find it interesting that Benny Hinn is now, you know, eschewing prosperity gospel. You know, I find that quite interesting. So I guess the must be the money must be running out or they've ostracized him. So, you know, it's really, you know, it's fun. But there are reasons behind all of that. But with the prosperity gospel, you know, that particular type of Ponzi scheme or pyramid scheme, um, it's a very sound business structure. And it's not hard to build one up. But for the most part, a lot of this is Jedi mind tricks. It's about them talking to you and convincing you and then repeating things over and over until you start believing that it's true or you yourself start making the same talking points. You know, you got to remember, you know, uh, how you were taught in grade school, how the teacher would go over the same things or reinforce or go by rote certain subject matters, certain things. That is how it's done. And we've been conditioned to learn that way. And I need for you to take a step back and to pay attention to what's happening out here. And a lot of what's happening now with the politics in this country, and that's why I'm saying give these white people back their God, you know, whether it's Christian white people or atheist white people, because it's all a trick. (laughs) Trick or treat, right? Treat if you go along with the program. But otherwise, it's a trick. And I need for you guys to pay attention, you know, and tying this into the politics. I know some are like, well, how does this come together? It does come together. And for those of you who want to espouse and say that you're not political, yes, you are. Your very existence is political. The words, you know, when, even when you say that you're not political, that's political because that's what you've been trained to say and do, especially with a lot of black Christians. And I find it so unfortunate because, you know, I've been out there, I, you know, I read, I listen, and you'll have a lot of Christians out here saying our pastor told us not to be political. 
but yet he's up there, you know, espousing certain virtues. Now, he may not be up there saying that he supports 45. You know, many black and brown Christian leaders are not um, delusional enough to get up there and say that. But what they'll do is they'll hit upon topics that fall right in line with a lot of these conservatives. Now, mind you, let's not get lost with this point that there are a lot of Democrats or so-called liberals, whether they're progressive liberals, moderate liberals, whatever, or middle, you know, um, liberal liberals, whatever, uh, <laughs> that have the same mindset, especially the moderate liberals, the moderate Democrats. They're white supremacists as well. I just call them, you know, white supremacists light because what they do is they try to hide their racism. And what I need you to understand is that with some of these same people, and whether they're progressive, moderate, what have you, you have your blue dog Democrats. You need to look them up and understand who they are as well. And they'll say on the outside that they're against racism and, you know, they're against sexism and all of these isms and phobias that are out here. But they're just as xenophobic. And what they'll do is they may not necessarily go out there and 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 hold the tiki torches and, and make public anti-Semitical comments or anti-black comments, but what they do is they vote or they they vote to sustain the status quo with a lot of these, you know, laws and policies. So they try to maintain structural racism. So they know they don't have to say the words. They just vote to maintain certain things, just like with the crime bill that was, you know, Joe Biden was a part of that, and what the, and I need you all to understand, I need you to pay attention, please, you know, um, you have people like that out there, so they'll introduce new policies or more policies in which the narrative is is basically being convoluted, basically, it's, it's kind of like a smoke and mirrors type of thing. You know, because a lot of them, Joe Biden included, say that the crime bill was introduced because black pastors and black community leaders were coming to them and calling on them to have stricter laws because crime and, you know, drug sales, what have you, were going up in their communities. And so I need you all to go back and look this stuff up to get a better understanding and why you have those of us that are out here and railing against this thing. It was an article that came out, I believe it was in Teen Vogue, and it was talking about these young voters, you know, the millennials that are out here asking their black parents if Joe Biden is their savior, their God, their leader, you know, however you want to put that, because you have a lot of older black people that are supporting Joe Biden because of his proximity or attachment to Barack Obama. 
you know, and even with Barack Obama, you know, a lot of what he said and did was extremely problematic. And it's not talked about enough, you know, about the drone kills, about some of the policies that were put in place. Um, Again, I do respect my audience. And I know that you will go out and you will look these things up yourself. Because, again, I've told you all on a number of occasions, trust but verify. And I want you to look the things up that I'm saying to you. You know, and it's interesting because I remember having a conversation um, with my oldest sister, you know, and she listens to the show. And she was laughing. She was like, yeah, Kim, you know where all that research came from. And I said, yeah, you know, they teach you this in school. She was like, no, you got that from your mom. And uh, and it's true. You know, one thing that we did not lack in my house were books. And that's one of the things that my mom did that I really appreciate. You know, she made sure I had encyclopedias, you know, dictionaries, you know, the different types of magazines. She would take me to the store, usually the thrift store, and I would come out with a bag of books because back then you can go to the thrift store, and if you can fill up a bag of books, it'll cost you a dollar or two, you know. So, you know, when I'm third and fourth grade, fifth grade reading Shakespeare and Steinbeck, not necessarily fully understanding it, but having dictionaries and encyclopedias there to help me understand, you know, it was the Elizabeth. Elizabethan English that um, kind of confused me, but you start catching on after a while. And, you know, that really set me up for some things. But I want you to guys to go back and do the research. It's extremely important that you do that. There's this series on Netflix called The Family. And I really want you to watch this. And this is not the last time I'm going to do a show about this particular topic. You all already know me. It's something I'm not going to do a part one, two, three, four, five, six, seven anymore. But, <laughs> but uh, you know, I'll come back, you know, to be under a different title. But we will revisit this. You know, I will reinforce this because this is how people learn. And what's so interesting is, you know, I had one of my critics um, comment about me reinforcing things and and, and, and then, then trying to hate and say, oh, well, you know, they're not talking about anything if they're always reinforcing things. But then a month later, they brought up the concept of intersectionality and how they had never heard of it. When I talked about intersectionality until I was blue in the face on this show. So yeah, some things are worth repeating. Or some people just weren't paying attention in the first place. But that's that's me. So it's all good. But, you know, what I find out, find interesting, and since I brought up intersectionality, I'll go ahead and speak on this. Um, you pay attention to some of these white people, especially the ones that consider themselves woke, and you'll hear them bring up intersectionality. So that's the new buzzword, you know, and, and I know that it's not what Kimberly Crenshaw's intention was. And so, you know, I've I've seen some talks and read some articles in which Angela Davis addressed intersectionality in white people. And this is something that's true. 
And you'll find this in, you know, white religious communities, white secular communities, and it's actually a problem. And what I mean by that is, number one, they don't really understand what the term means. Number two, they do not know how to implement it. Number three, the ones that do know how to implement it, they don't want to do the work that comes with it. So what they do is they take that word intersectionality and they use that in place of doing the work. They don't want to do the work, but they want to say that they're intersectional, um, you know, feminists, intersectional atheists, and, you know, intersectional Christians or, you know, what have you. And that's not true. They use the term in place of doing the work. And what they do is they bring in, you know, some token black, brown, red, and yellow people who are doing some work out here in whatever capacity. Even if I kind of, in some cases, challenge what they consider work, but, hey, everything isn't for everyone, right? And they'll trot those black, brown, red, yellow people around and say, see, we're inclusive. We're diverse. Intersectionality. That is what we're doing over here when you're not. And, you know, you, they call themselves social justice. You know, for those that aren't aware, social justice warriors was coined by Richard Dawkins. And, you know, I see a lot of huh, people, especially white people, you know, now claiming and, 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 and grabbing hold to the term social justice and social justice warriors, right? When, again, they don't necessarily want to do the work. They don't do it. And what I find interesting is some of them that have social justice conferences, you know, you know the white ones aren't calling it a social justice conference, but, you know, they claim that, you know, some of the bedrock of whatever they're doing is social justice. And you're not doing a goddamn thing. And I'm just sitting here watching some of the black and brown people that are out here doing the hokey pokey and shaking it all about for these so-called progressive white folks who don't give a shit about you. Because basically it all boils down to this. Regardless of who's in the White House, regardless of who is in power, whether it's a Republican or Democrat, their comfortability will not necessarily be disrupted. Regardless, they are white. So there are certain privileges that come with that, and it won't be, you know, disrupted. And that's something I need for you all to understand and to look at and to pay attention to. And even with the resistance movement, you had these same people that tried to grab hold of that, and it didn't quite work out for them the way that they thought it would. So anyway, um, I need you guys to... um, Go and watch the family, you know, uh, 
Raina and I have had numerous discussions about that particular Netflix series, and I watched it the first time, and I was like, hmm. And we talked about it, and I went back and watched it again, and we talked about it. And I'm going to watch it a third time, but this time I'm going to take notes. And, you know, I'll let you guys know ahead of time. I'm going to start doing that again. I'm going to start setting up the shows and writing out. Because for this show here, I didn't even really write it out. I'm going to go back and put the tags in and write it out and give you all some links and things that you can go and look up yourselves um, and, you know, and get a better understanding of where I'm coming from on all, all of this. Now, for those of you out there that are listening, I do have a forum or a group on Reddit, Black Freethinkers, right? So go out there and subscribe, and, you know, I post links like crazy on that. Um, and so, you know, our little subscribers, they're growing, and I appreciate that. But if you guys can go out there and subscribe to that and then follow us on Twitter, we have a Facebook page and all of that. And so I'm, I'm going to bring all of this back, and I'm also bringing back people of color beyond faith. You know, there are some things that I've been kind of toying around with in the background and some things that I want to do and some people that I've met over the years, and I'm going to come back to this subject matter. I just need a break from it for a second here. And when I come back, I'm going to specifically talk about the family, but then I'm going to tell you how the Democrats are fucking up right now. But, um, you know, I don't post very much about me and my life and what I'm doing because I just think it's not interesting. But I did go to Brazil this year. I was there for two weeks, and I wanted to stay a third week, but I had to get back home and deal with some stuff, and I ended up not dealing with it anyway. So I should have spent an extra week in Salvador. But I'll be going back next year um, just for just just because I didn't want to go back, right? And basically, I had a really good time in Brazil. You know, uh, I slept better. I was breathing better. Um, you know, and I had a chance to speak to some expatriates living there. And that's another reason why I wanted to spend a week in um, Salvador, you know, to talk to some more expatriates. But where I was, I was in Cachoeira, Bahia. And I was there for, you know, educational purposes. It was a feminist um, program, right? And it's there every year. And I'll post some information about it, you know, a little bit later. But I had a really good time, met a lot of beautiful people. I thank them for taking time out to talk with me. And there are a couple of them that I'm actually, you know, am going to get on the show. And basically, that's another reason why I'm, you know, reviving people of color beyond faith, because there are some things that I definitely want to bring out. I'm going to bring back the webcast, all of that. So you're going to be seeing more of that. You know, I want to do it this year because I definitely want to speak to Chris Cameron about his book. For those of you that aren't familiar with Dr. Christopher Cameron, he just wrote a book titled Black Freethinkers. How about that? So if you all get a chance, please go out and purchase the book. I need to contact him. I'll buy a box of books. And for those of you that want a copy, just hit me up. Now, I don't have them yet. So, <laughs> you know, I'll hit him up this week and see how much a box costs. And I think he, there was a code. You can go to Northwestern University Press, 
and I think it was like 25% off. I think I'll go over there and see if that code is still working. I think the code was N as in Nancy, U as in uniform, P as in Paul, 2019. So go out there and, you know, support Dr. Cameron his book here. And, you know, I just think it's wonderful. And for those of you that want to get a better idea of who Dr. Cameron is, Chris Cameron, I did some interviews with him. Um, one interview, yeah, yeah, go all the way back into the archives for Black Freethinkers. There is a conversation that I had with him, and he was on one of our webcasts under People of Color Beyond Faith. So, yeah, I'm going to revive all of that. You know, um, you know, I've been through so much, and, you know, now, you know, I'm coming out on the other end. And, again, I thank you guys for being patient with me. You know, because I had a lot of learning to do. I had to bump my head a few times, but I also had to get a lot of anger out. And am I still angry? Oh, you better believe that. Yes, I'm still angry, but I know how to harness it a little bit better now. So anyway, go out, send Dr. Cameron, send Chris a note, say, hey, let him know that you appreciate him. And all that fun stuff, because sometimes, you know, what you all don't seem to understand is sometimes you feel like you're all alone out here and that nobody cares and nobody gives a damn and that you're spinning your wheels. And, you know, and I think the people who have, you know, reached out to me, when are you going to start to show up, you know, and what do you think about this? I had someone, they were asking me, what did I think about the protesters in Hong Kong? And, you know, I have a lot of admiration for them. And I'll even say on this show that their approach to that is, is – is, is, and they got their approach from Americans. And, you know, some of that came from Occupy Wall Street. Some of that came from Black Lives Matter. Some of that came from other groups that are out here protesting. And basically, you know, they, they took on – I think it was Jet Li that talked about water, and how water takes on the shape of whatever container it is. And so, you know, he talks about being fluid and the fluidity of water, and that is the concept that they built their protest and their movement in Hong Kong under, and I think that was absolute genius. You know, it's a leaderless movement, but they adapt to whatever situation or whatever box or whatever circle or whatever corner, whether that's a 90-degree corner or whether it's a semicircle corner, you know, however you want to categorize and, 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 and say that, but that is what they're doing. And they've really been given no choice, and neither have we. So there's a lot that we can learn from each other because they've taken what they've learned from the Americans and they've built on it. And, you know, the only thing that, you know, troubles me is that they're appealing to the American government, which is going to fall on deaf ears. And also the mainstream media is not necessarily covering it, just like they weren't covering the Puerto Rico protests in which they kicked their governor out. I hope you all are paying attention to this shit. Told you a long time ago you needed to put your marching boots back on. But I get it because, you know, things are different now. You know, the marches and the protests from the 50s and 60s and 70s will not necessarily have the same impact today. 
that it did then. And so that's why I encourage people to do the research. Go back and do the research on the history of that. You got to remember, we only really start having televisions in our homes in the 60s. You know, I wasn't born to the 70s, but, you know, I've done a lot of reading about this, you know, and that's one of the reasons why they got so upset with Ida B. Wells and the black newspapers. And unfortunately, with some of the newspapers, like the Chicago Defender, you know, um, they kind of fell into some of the trappings of anti-blackness. But it was a black newspaper as time went on, they got better, and it's a learning process, you know, because I'm still learning, you know, as well. I mean, there are some things that I've done in the set that are anti-black. There are things that some things that I say and do now that are anti-black, but I'm trying to learn, and I'm trying to excise that out of my vocabulary. I'm trying to excise it out of my living and, and, and trying to excise it out of me or my interactions with other people, my engagements with other people. And I'm working really hard on that. You know, um, you know, one conversation I had with a wonderful person, you know, and I'm not going to say their names, but in Brazil, and she caught it, and she called it on me. And I thought about it, and then I brought the conversation back to it, and I told her she was right. And I told her how much I appreciated that. And she just looked and she she thanked me for being able to, you know, to appreciate what she said and not not become defensive over it. And it's like, no, this is a learning process. There is so much that I have to learn. And that's the reason why I'm so appreciative of my friendships with certain people because they're challenging. And they make me pay attention to what I'm saying and what I'm doing. And so I appreciate that. So saying all of that to say this, you know, I had a really good time in Brazil. I plan on going back. Um, it was Angela Davis Collective that put together that um, that program. So you all may want to go out and take a look and pay attention to that and, and you know, participate if you see fit. You also have the Black European Summer School, which took place in Amsterdam. It takes place in Amsterdam every year. So you may want to go and to look into that and, and reach out to them. And, I mean, because even if you don't go to the program, there are still materials and things that are out there. And for those of you that want some reading materials and things, just let me know. You know, I have plenty of it, and, you know, I send my friends links to my Gmail drive all the time, you know, which give them access to books galore. And so, oh, all right, so I'm getting tired of talking about that right now because it's like I'm thinking about next year and, you know, I have a couple of um, international trips on the calendar for next year. So, you know, if you're interested, let me know. If someone wants to go hang out in France, let me know because I'm going to be there next year. And um going to have a good time. So I'm going to go for the program, and then I'm probably going to stay an extra week or two. So if you want to eat smoked meats, eat stinky cheese, drink wine, smoke cigars with me, let me know. And so we can do that. So, yeah, that's what's happening over there. So 
let's get back to, you know, giving these white people back their God. And, you know, there is a difference between white Christians and black Christians, just like there is a difference between black atheists and white atheists. Now, one of the best books I've ever read on this was written by Michael Lackey. And for those that are out there, I've recommended this book so many damn times, it's unbelievable. But um, the title of the book is African American Atheist and Political Liberation, a Study of the Sociocultural Dynamics of Faith, History of African American Religions, right? And it's one of my favorite books, period. You know, that book spoke to me in the same manner, you know, that some other books have changed my life. And they're not in the same categories at all. So another book that, you know, really changed me and really just kind of relit a fire that was once there, um, The Fire Next Time by James Baldwin is another one of my favorite books. And so, you know, I was thinking about these things. And I remember, you know, when I was much younger, militant, right? A militant black Republican. How about that? And so... <laughs> I know it sounds like a big old ball of confusion, but it was interesting because I would talk about certain things, you know, talk about corporate welfare. And again, I had a lot of criticisms for professional, um, you know, athleticism. You know, I remember calling professional athletes slaves on a plantation. I remember saying that I felt that, you know, college athletes should be paid. And I was gaslighted like nobody's business. But when you're young and impressionable and not necessarily having the resources or the people around to kind of reinforce and, and, and encourage you and support you, you know, because you got to remember by that time we had moved out of Chicago. Had I been in Chicago and picked up with the right people, oh, yeah, it would have been on and popping. But my family moved down here to the sticks. So the corn, wheat, and soy fields. And, of course, I'm around a bunch of white Republicans, and, you know, that was not what it was. Now, when I say I was a black Republican, it was after we moved here. So that militancy was, that seed was sown in Chicago. And then when we moved downstate, that's when a lot of it was gaslighted and, you know, beaten. And when I say beaten, I'm talking about more verbal, psychological, emotional out of me by, you know, white people and and some of these black white people, Right. And so <laughs> it's been interesting, but um, pick up that book. I think you'll find it enlightening. As a matter of fact, you know, I've sent several copies. As a matter of fact, I remember buying a copy from my mom, and I have a box of some of the books that I bought her. Uh, another book, The Condemnation of Blackness by Khalil Muhammad. And that book changed my life as well. And I definitely want you all to check that out. 
And I went to school with Khalil, so I'm really proud of him and his works and what he did up in New York at the Schomburg Center. And I think I'm going to put that on the trip for next year. I know we'll be in Baltimore in February. So um, we'll be in D.C., and we're going to go to the African-American Museum up there. But I'm thinking that I'm going to extend that and go on up to New York and do some research at the um, Schomburg Center, spend some time up there, maybe do a tour of the new school or something. So if you're interested, let me know. And uh, I'll let you know when I'm going to be up there and what I'll be doing. So you have a lot of things going on here. But, um, yeah, so I said I was going to come back and talk about the Democratic Party and that Netflix series. Well, like I called it the last time, I'm going to call it again as of right now. And my opinion on this is subject to change. Because, you know, I'm talking about the 2020 election. Democrats are fucking up. And at this point, and I've been saying this since Trump was elected, that he was going to win re-election. I'm, my, I'm still there. He's going to win. He is going to win re-election. And the Democrats are handing it to him. I don't even know what else to say. Because I don't understand how they're going to lose an election that should be easy to win. But, again, I'm not a politician. I'm not out here putting my life and my reputation on the line running for a political office. And so it's not easy. And I know it's not easy. And, you know, they're out there. They're taking the hits. You know, if you want to be a public figure, you got to be ready to take the hits. But I just don't understand what the damn Democrats are doing. Now, I'll tell you, you know, and those that have been listening to the show, you know this. I'm not a Democrat either. I'm not a Republican. I'm not a Democrat. I'm an independent. So basically what I'm saying is I don't like any of them. And I absolutely detest libertarians. Well, conservative libertarians. And uh, I don't know what the hell y'all out here doing because, you know, the rest of us are sitting over here in the corner like what in the entire fuck is happening out there. Now, I'm not going to vote for the Green Party. What's her name? And I know her name. I'm just being a little facetious there. You know, um, what's her name? Taught me a lesson. You know, and whole thing is just one big giant mind fuck. And I don't even know what to say. But at this point, 45, he's going to win again. Unless the Democrats shake some shit up. You know, me personally, I would tell them to fight dirty. Tell. I'm even willing to do some work for them, but, you know, I've had to have immunity because, you know, it would be some shit on their hands. But anyway, um, I just don't want you all to be lost on the fact that 
there is a lot of racism that's pervasive in the Democratic Party. And I think it's important for you all to understand the history of the Democratic Party and how everything kind of changed around with FDR, FDR and the New Deal. And I've talked about that extensively on Ira Katz-Nelson's book, When Affirmative Action Was White, and then his other book, Fear Itself. Read those two books, and it explains some things about how the black people that once voted for the Republicans, which was the party of Lincoln, how they ended up voting for the Democrats after FDR. And I've talked about the Southern strategy, and it's important that you all understand that because that explains where we are now. And, again, we're just at the beginning parts of it, really, because they've taken over the state legislators. They've taken over the governorships. They've, you know, they've taken over, you know, Congress to a certain degree, except the Democrats won a few seats in 2018. They've taken over the presidency. You know, he's ruling by pen. You know, I mean, I just need people to become more politically aware. And when I say that, you know, I'm not saying that you have to go out and vote because I do understand why some people do not vote. And I do not chastise them. And that's not what we're going to do here. But the thing that's interesting is that many of the people who I see talking about the fact that they don't vote, they do understand a lot of this history. And with some, that is precisely why they do not vote. Because some have given up in exhaustion. Some have just given up because they feel it's a lost cause. Some have given up because, again, they think it's a form of control. And, you know, to be honest with you, a lot of the things that we do in this country, you know, especially with a lot of black and brown people, I just see some of this as giant social experiments. But that's me. The hell do I know? A little black girl from the south side of Chicago. What do I know? But I sit back and I watch these things, and I'm watching the Democratic Party fuck up again. So, hey, what do you do? Because look at what's happening now. They're doing absolutely nothing. 45 is out there doing whatever the hell he wants. He's doing it in public, in their face. And they're doing absolutely nothing, acquiescing to to his demagoguery. I mean, what the hell? And I'll be the first one to tell you if you know if Biden is the nominee, I can't make any promises. And if Buttigieg is anybody's VP. I can't make any promises for that either. So I don't know exactly where I stand at this moment. 
I just know that I'm paying attention and I'm reading and I'm encouraging you all to do the same. I want you to utilize those critical thinking skills on everything, not just when you're talking about religion or non-religion. You know, utilize those critical thinking skills in every area of your life. That includes politics. Because the truth of the matter is you can't afford not to be political in our current cultural climate and political climate and social climate in this country. There's just a lot more that's going on. And I need for you guys to be aware of that, you know. And so, yeah, I'm like, ooh, you know, they're out here arresting six-year-olds because a six-year-old had a tantrum. Who does that? Better yet, who allows for that to happen? So anyway, getting back (laughs) to what I was saying um, about the family, please go watch that documentary series. Um, And it's talking about, you know, theocracy and religion and politics and what we're seeing now. But it's being done under the guise of religion. And I see we have a caller. Let's go ahead and pick this up. Caller, welcome, 818. Are you ready? I want to ask one more time. I'm going to ask again, are you ready? I'm trying, baby. Go ahead. Greetings in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. My name is Pastor (laughs) Don Jr., CEO. I'm the founder and commissioner of 300 elite winning team members. I lived in 40 out of 50 states. I've been preaching and teaching the word of God for over 12 years. And, woo, boy, 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 you to open a Pandora's box. That's why I said, are you ready? Because they tell you you get a pastor here to answer questions. Now, I want to make sure that we understand. I don't represent of faith, per se. I represent the faith in God, the Father, the Son, and Holy Ghost. I do understand these numbers, 3, 7, 11, and 12. 3 is Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. The triangle is the only shape that can be broken. When two or three gather, the Holy Spirit is in the midst. 7, 7 days in a week, 7 on the craft table gets you paid, 7 spirits around God. 11 is the beginning of the master numbers, 11, 22, 33, and 44, 12 for the 12 months, the 12 tribes, the 12 cell program, the 12 hours of the day when you're supposed to be getting money, and the 12 hours at night when you're supposed to be loving your family, which put together that 24-hour day, which God has 24 elders saying worthy is the Lamb. So as I speak to you, I don't speak bounded by a building religious situation. I speak to you on spirit, but I've been homeless. This is my fourth marriage. I'm celebrating my daughter coming in right now. I had to leave out of the hospital to come on this show because I'm supposed to be anointed, appointed the line on AAA of God's highway of life to go change the world. And I can't do that if I'm not available. While my wife, her mama, and my daughter is sleeping, my new daughter, One Love, is coming. So I need to be where I'm supposed to be. So while they are in the hospital room. I went down this microphone. I was three months carried into a radio station. That's why I said, ooh, you dropping some real knowledge. Are you ready to ask questions? Because I want to help you <laughs> understand the power you got. Understand the power that I got. Yes, ma'am. Go ahead. 
go See, forward. See, you, you have what they call this covariance. You tell people they're going to die. They don't die immediately, but four or five months later, they die of some random shit. And it's not random, Lord, forgive me for cussing, but... <laughs> You already seen it, and when you're a prophetess and you're bounded by AME religion and the drop is off, you don't get that title. But when you're in a non-denominational religion, nobody don't believe it because we so much lost in the religion, that side of it. We don't see your words becoming the light. Now, what a lot of people don't understand, men have 24,000 situations. Women have 48,000 situations. The age-old phrase of women and men having 12 and 24 words thousand words that's going out the window with this new internet we're digesting information at 280 characters every 15 seconds so it's no more you got to call granny to find out what's going on next door and two states over you get on your facebook you see everything so i say all that to say to you elder 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 are you really ready to ask these questions because you want them kind of people that you're going to ask the right questions and i'm going to illustrate articulate and make sure that I align what you've been trying to find. All right. So, <laughs> okay, so given the premise of this show, you know, when I say give these white people back their God, and, you know, I'm looking at it from a religious as well as a non-religious standpoint, do you really believe that black people or black Christians and white Christians are serving the same God? I do 100%. It's the universe. I'm going to be honest with you. Okay. When you're driving in your car and you're driving on a suspended license and you keep saying, Lord, I hope they don't stop me. Lord, I hope they don't stop me. I hope they don't stop me. They stop you because you're putting it out there in the universe. We are all God's imagination. We all have the spirit of God. When God breathed his breath in our nostrils, when we was on just nothing but dirty clay, he gave us the power of free will. We're willing to say whatever you want to say. What I'm doing right now, along with you, sister, we're making history. The cloud is going to be here after we're long gone. If you watch that movie, Twelve Monkeys, all they had was voicemails of some of a of a uh, of a different situation. But if you watch Star Trek, everything they showed happened happened. The movie desensitizes as a media, but at the same time, so we're on the same page. Hmm. The power is in our tongue. The power is in our tongue, and whatever we say becomes law. So when we tell our kids they ain't shit and they grow up and get felonies, we did that. When we tell our kids you're going to be a billionaire and you're stronger, you're larger in life, that's what they're going to be. So with our power being in our tongue, it's not a white people or black people situation. We don't serve God the same way, and I'm going to tell you why. Okay, black church, you in there for five hours. Never, maybe might be six. I'm talking about getting dressed, getting ready, going to the church after the service, talking about the service, then studying the word again. You get burned out on God. White people, their service is an hour. That shit is planned, purpose on on on. And I, I hate to say it, uh, the Mormon Church, the uh, Jehovah Witness Church. But when you get to the AMEs and the Baptist Church. Man, your kids going down there die because they they die from starvation because they've been in church for seven hours. Let's keep it real. So okay, so so you believe in speaking things into existence. So okay, so our ancestors, you know, they did a lot of praying, they did a lot of marching, they gave a lot of money, and look at where we are now. 
how can you look at these things and understand the history and understand how white people, particularly white Christians, and I've even seen some white atheists, you know, use the Bible and Christianity as a weapon against black people. There have been some white atheists that have put up billboards, one particular billboard in Pennsylvania in which they put up the scripture, slave, obey your masters. And that came directly from the Bible. So what I don't understand is that if you've been speaking these things into existence, if you've been praying these things, you've been tithing and giving your offerings, you've been a willing worker, you know, you've given up opportunities because your so-called pastors say, well, no, God doesn't want you to go to nursing school right now. 20 years later, you know, you're still not a nurse, you're not a member of that church, and the old pastor went to jail for being a pimp. How? Okay. Okay. Let me say this. Okay. Let me say this. Those questions are very strong questions. I can't speak for every pastor, preacher, senator, government official. What I can say, me, Pastor Dodger and CEO, I'm running for president in 2024 because I'm tired of these barbershop conversations. I've been on over 4,500 networks like this, and the problem is we lack resources. We lack the empowerment the education and the information that we need to go further. And when people have the resources, they don't want to burn no bridges because it took them a long time to put it together. So if I got fertile ground to plant a seed on, you're telling me that you won't plant a seed because uh, you didn't till the ground. I say this to say to you, it's deeper than that. Everybody is going to perceive things how they perceive it. Some people who are homeless, they're success is in their homelessness because they're not paying taxes. They're not living anywhere. And then some people who are cracked out, their success is getting another crack rock. Everybody has a different perception on what success is. Now, we as a people, we're bounded by three things. One, the rent. Two, our jobs. Three, personal opinion of what other people think about us. We're so busy giving a person 100% of our efforts and we get 2% of the profit, we've got to pay our rent. But we're getting lost in what we're bringing to the table. What you're doing has never been done before. You're willing to put your platform out there, open up the lines, have people call in, talk about it. This is the start of success. And when I said, and let me clarify this, faith without works is dead. You can't pray and sit on your knees forever and pray for somebody to stop hitting you. Sometimes you got to get off your knees up and hit that motherfucker back. You hear me? (laughs) <laughs> we, oh, if a motherfucker is beating you, if they beating you and they beating you and you being abused, I wasn't mad at Al Green White for finding out grits on him. When you find the backstory out, he was cheating, smashing everything other than the love for Sunday. So I say all this to say we all have our, our goals, dreams, and ambitions, but we don't cut down trees. We get oxygen from the trees. What you're doing right now. You're like Hitler, and this is a strong-ass analogy, but Ooh, I'm the only one Hitler. as a pastor that can say oh, this. No, 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 no. Hold on, no, no, no. I'm a, I, no, no, you got to listen. Let me finish my point. Let me finish my point. You're like Hitler. <laughs> the reason why I say that, you got the power to make trillions and trillions of people move. They ain't seen you. They ain't touched you. They never smelt your breath. But you get on this radio show, and you say, get involved with this, and people buy into it. Hitler did that with millions and millions of people, and it was the Holocaust. But one thing about Hitler, 
he knew how to use his influential power from the spirit world to make it reality. Women are the only ones that can bring spirits into reality, and we as men, we defile them with our lyrics, and then we get fucked up when they say you're a low-life piece of shit. Well, we've been telling them that for the three last 12 songs for the last three and a half minutes. So when they tell us it back to us, we can't be mad. I say the reason why you like Hitler you are controlling a rowdy group of people that don't even know they're being controlled, not in a bad way, but in a good way. But whatever energy you put out there, that's what it's going to be. If you go out there and say, kill all the white people, they're going to kill them. You out there and say, go feed all the white people, they're going to feed them. You have the power and influence, and not everybody understands that power. And I'm a chisel back in the Bible for your life. I'm showing up. I won't be here every show. I won't be here all the time. I'm only going to appear three times in your life. i got two more to go. But I want to answer these questions from God because I asked for a hundred portion of wisdom to make sure I lead 300 people. When you got Judge Joe Brown and a lot of major other players, these people are UFOs. When I say UFOs, some people know and they don't know, but in a heartbeat, they can drop something on me that's going to change trillions of lives. So I have to be careful at how I entertain strangers because I know I'm dealing with angels. All right, so, you know, you gave me a lot of information there, and, you know, you spoke on some <laughs> things, and like I said, with the Hitler thing, that just really blew me, because it's like, because whenever you, you know, bring up Hitler, it just never ends well. <laughs> well, well but, but I got I to be aggressive and abrupt. The hard way. Uh-huh. I know your I know your platform, and they're not ready for that, and I want to get somebody to go research what I'm saying. Don't right. take my word for it. Get on Google. I want to be that oh, guy definitely. that came in aggressive, but it's with love. And God chastises the ones he loves. And the whole thing is your platform is so powerful. You got over damn near a whole year, meaning for 365 days you've done a radio show. You got about 375, 389, somewhere around there. But you almost close to 400. But God damn it. You got a whole year, if you didn't do nothing else, there's a radio show out there about somebody dropping some real knowledge. When you come in like that, I got to say something to turn over the tables like Jesus did in the Bibles. You got everybody in here, <laughs> but ain't nobody respecting you. You need to get your cash out. Put your cash out out there. Put your cash out out there. Just the pastor, if you like what I'm saying, you hate what I'm saying, put something to support this platform. This shit ain't free. She don't just wake up every day and just say, I'm going to give away my wisdom for free. It costs to be the boss. Everything in the Bible says you got to pay the cost. That's why we got to go through hell to get to heaven. If we don't pay nothing, we can't buy our way in. And we're not buying our way in. We're doing what God called us to do. So I, I'm moving I'm moving in something different. I will be your president in 2024. I want you to grill the hell out of me because I feel like you're going to ask the right questions so your people can understand that you didn't like the analogy, but when I broke it down why, it made sense. You have the power to change a lot of lives. The people buying into your power, but they're doing it on their own and they're not donating. If they don't sow a seed, they can't harvest tomorrow. And if you're not recording the Book of Life, you listen to this show 4,000 times in a day, but you don't call in and get recorded on the actual podcast that never counted. You wasn't there. I'm and sorry to hit you with so much information. Oh, well, if, if, if I wrong, if I said anything that offended you, did I do any wrong to you? Anything that I did wrong, oh, just no, no. let me know. Oh, oh yeah, 
yeah, no, I understand. You know, it's just interesting that you would say that because, you know, I've had people tell me, Kim, you should move some things to a paid platform. And, you know, I've um, entertained that, and you know, I think I'm going to move some things to, you know, paid platform. But I want to get back on topic about, you know, what's okay. happening now. Because, again, you know, I'm advising people to go and watch the Netflix series, The Family, in which, you know, um, you have a bunch of politicians under the guise of religion, you know, basically running the country. They support each other regardless of what may have happened in their life. And so earlier when I was talking about the prosperity gospel and how it's set up, and it's not only just the prosperity gospel, you have these other churches that are basically built on the same premise of you see the God in the person. And you look past whatever transgressions that they may have committed, well, whether they were an adulterer, whether they were a drug dealer, what have you, any of these things. And what I'm seeing happening now, so we're going to skip to the end part. And like I said, this is not the last time I'm going to do a show pertaining to this. But listen, listen, listen. What you see I'm now, with 45, with 45 being in office, what he's done is he's suspended the Johnson Amendment, which allows these preachers to talk politics in their pulpits without the threat of the IRS coming at them. But in addition to him suspending the Johnson rule, he's now allowing these church leaders and these churches to become political action committee in which hundreds of millions of dollars can be funneled through these churches and these these I mean these um, religious leaders, and I'm starting to see more and more of that popping up. You see these you know conferences, you know political conferences that are now being put on by pastors, both black and white. And again, he's 45. He's basically empowering these people to get this kind of money, to get this type, this this amount of power, and he's hoping that they turn around and use that money and funnel it back to him and his race and his people and, and what they're trying to do. And what I don't understand is with some of these, you know, uh, Christians of color, mainly the black ones, um, how they don't see what's happening here. Okay, let me say this, and I, I want to make sure that you understand this. One, you are ahead of your time. Two, I'm so glad we're recording. Three, you hit a key element. You said so-called religious leaders. Let's really break that statement down. So-called, these are people that's putting the labels on them. Religious leaders, they lead them by, they're leading by the actual mechanics of the laws of their faith. So if I'm a Mormon, I have to go off the Mormon standards to hold Donald Trump invested. And that's what kills us as a people. We don't believe and see the same things. Now, the one thing I will give him props for is he spent 10 years desensitizing us on that show Apprentice before we voted for him. I'm doing the same thing when I say that. I've been on over 4,500 radio networks. Next year, I'm going to actually visit these places and I'm going to put 22 abandoned buildings with a $4.5 million initiative to get people that got class E, C, F, and all these small felonies back to work. I say all that to say, you are seeing the actual ball, but it's hard to pass the ball if you got on an NFL career and you're playing in the NBA game. The problem is we as political leaders, religious leaders, actual title leaders – 
we don't think about our workers. All we think about is the bottom line. And that's why, as a people, I covered the third debate with uh, Donald Trump and Hillary Clinton. I've never seen white people cry like that. When they left out that debate, I knew Donald Trump was going to be president because Hillary didn't have enough uh-huh. meat to deal with the bullshit. And at the end of the day, we as a people, we can't see having a woman president. We can do a black man, but we can't do a woman. And at the end of the day, it's a lot of other countries that got women that's been in office for many years. So I say all that to say to you, what you're doing now is you're starting the process. People got to hear it 30,000 times for them to click it once. Nobody believes anything is real. And when God shows up, as you've been praying on your knees for 50 years, he finally showed up with a car, a house, and luxury and a husband. You say, no, that's not for me. Same God that was God of Isaac, Abraham, and Jacob that blessed Sarai with a baby and turned her into Sarah, same God is going to bless you today. Now, we put God in a box. We want him to bless us like we want him to bless us, but people like you or pioneers, you're going into an empty field and say, hey, ain't nobody talking about this shit. Let me put it out there. Let me help somebody. Ain't nobody doing that. So all I'm saying to you is, You're 100% right. We as leaders, we don't know what to do and how to do it, but at the same time, we don't get a a, a good response because at the end of the day, we forget about the workers as bosses. I've done it myself. I went into the uh, Sunday, first Saturday meeting to talk about first Sunday with $40 worth of chicken, and I'm passed by 10 homeless people, and they smelling it, and they can't eat shit because it's going into the board. So I'm just keeping it real. So everything that you're saying is really it, it, it's beating me in the spirit, but at the end of the day, I need to get my ass whooped. I can't work out and become stronger if I don't break some muscles, and I need that. And sometimes when you are fly on the wall, the person, the curator of this platform needs to hear you to know they're doing the right thing. Confirmation, acknowledgement, and appointment creates God's triple A on the highway. All right, you got you ready. Okay. It's interesting because I had a conversation with Carlton Pearson, and it was just as lively, and um, it was interesting. And um, he's another one that I believe the black Christian community wronged. I believe they wronged him on so many different levels. And while I'm not necessarily a Christian or a believer of any sort, um, I know when wrong is wrong. And, you know, the thing is that, and let me make sure I clarify this, when I say I'm not anti-theist and, and, and that, you know, I understand the purpose of the church. What I do not condone is the abuse of power, the abuse of authority, taking advantage of people, you know. I mean, I understand church needs money, you know, to pay the bills. Well, no, 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 no. Basically, how, how is you're spiritual. No, you're spiritual. You're not into the brick and mortar. The brick and mortar is the physical. When we go to church service, they said never forsake the assembly. But at the same time, what's going on is the assembly of the mind. When we get together and we talk about stuff, they had in the Bible the Tower of Babel. We all had one language at one time, and we tried to build a tower so out of God, God split us up. That's what made Mexicans, black people, Chicanos, but we all come from another Africa. We all are derived from the same situation, and hell, you were real. All the stuff that I'm saying to you is not by chance that you're hearing this. 
I'm confirming some things that you've been asking in the spirit, but you couldn't ask anybody because the ones who know the knowledge are not going to tell you, and the ones that know how much power you got, they damn sure don't want you to get stronger than them. Well, see, this is the thing. It's like I don't consider myself spiritual either. I just, you know, when when I talk about the black church, I'm coming from the standpoint whereas with white Christianity, you know, that is fear, oppression, subjugation, and control. With black Christianity, this is why, you know, Barack Obama's mantra um, held so, you know, had became so popular, it's about hope and change. And so when I look at the black church and why the black church was started and how the black church is basically the pillar or the focal point of the black community, when I talk about that, I'm talking about when the black church was there and if you didn't have anything to eat, you can go to that church. Your, your light and your gas bill is paid. You know what I mean? It's past due. You know, they have the license program. Most of those programs are run through churches, you know, Many of those programs are run at the church. So when I when I say I'm not anti-theist, I'm talking about the good that used to come from the church and that some churches are still doing, but many of them are not. Because what's happened is with certain churches, namely the Word of uh, Word of Faith churches, the Prosperity Gospel, they have come so far away from the original point of having a church in the community because what they did is they set up the good old boy network. Number one, they don't want women in ministry or any leadership positions because, you know, there's a lot of shit that happens behind the scenes, you know, and that's the reason why so much of this is starting to come out in the public. You know, I mean, and and people get angry with me because sometimes I've told them, I'm like, you're, you're, your pastor is a drug dealer. Your pastor is laundering money. Your pastor is a pimp. Your pastor is doing all of these things, and they would get angry. But, again, with the innovation of the Internet and having access to all of this, people are starting to see this. And this is why you have masses of people leaving the church. Some are still Christian. They just study at home. You have some that are no longer affiliated with any religion, and they consider themselves spiritual which is fine, and then you have those of us that have run away from all of that because, you know, some of us, again, you know. Well, let me, let me, let me give this to your spirit, and I want to, I want to address that. I'm going to give this to your spirit first, and I want to give this to your listeners, and um, this is what I have to read every day, and, and I'm glad you said it because I do have, I got 300 elite members. I have some devil orchestras. I got some oracles, some atheists, and some people who practice black magic. And for most pastors, they can't say that shit live on the radio. But I do have these things. The problem <laughs> is, no, the problem is, is I'm not going to lie about it. That's the problem. I need to lie, but I'm just, I don't want to try to get into heaven and God say you can't get in because you didn't do the right thing. So. My job is to bring the power of the word of God and show you the good, bad, and ugly. You can't thank God for a thousand good days. You had one bad day and thank God forgot about you. Henceforth, the story of Job. That's a whole other conversation. But this is what I want to give to your, uh, this is what I want to give to your spirit. Because when I hear you, when I hear you speak, I understand you live by this. And before I really start investing uh, time, money, and energy into a powerful radio show. I need to make sure that everybody on the sound of my voice knows this is not a game. I'm not locked into one religion. I understand the spirit. I understand the universe. It's not about just praying. You have to actually 
push until something happens. That's pray until something happens, but you got to work towards the prayer. But here, here we go. I'm going to read this, and it's very short. It says, this is the day, my day, I will control of it what I can and release of that what I can't. I will be confident in my words and in myself. Resilience will trump rejection. Faith will overcome frustration. For every yes, I'll secure the victory. For every yes, I'll secure the victory. For every yes, I'll secure the victory. For every no, I plan to see. Every contact is a new opportunity, a new challenge, a moment of truth. I'm important. I make a difference. I'm blessed from above, inspired by those around me. I'm powerful. I'm loved. Each only moment I'm thankful, for I have become stronger, for I have become stronger, for I have become stronger. Today is my day. This is my calling. I'm the voice of, and for many, the sick, the hungry, the unborn. I'm an ambassador for humanity, created by the Almighty, faith before all I shall prevail. Does any of that sound remotely like you, OG, sister? (laughs) Well, I mean, again, you know, when I look at these things, I try to look at it through a number of lenses, right? Because, okay. you know, um, you know, I, I try to meet people where they are and understand where they are and understand, you know, where they're coming from and then also understand where they're trying to go. And so, you know, I have a person of the future I'm black. No, I'm listening, but it sounds like <laughs> well, that you want to yeah. pass present and future. I got you, baby. Come on, you Oracle. I hear you. Let's go. I call it like I see it. If it's black, it's black. Friends and family. Friends and family (laughs) that are religious, and I can sit down and have a conversation with them. I think that's absolutely wonderful. Friends and families that are not religious, some that are atheists, some that don't give a damn one way or the other, and that's fine. You know, but the thing is, is that what I need for black people, especially black Christians to understand, is that the way things have been set up in this country, the Christianity that they have created in this country, and it's capital, you know, capitalism Christianity. And that's all the word of faith that prosperity gospel is, is, you know, um, hyper capitalism in black faith. And it's dangerous. And that's what's killing well, people. It's killing their communities. It's, well, it's killing. Uh, I gotta say this: mm-hmm. Go it, it is a business. Mm-hmm. When you when you're serving God, it's a business. When they pass out those watchtowers that the Jehovah Witnesses and knock on your door at nine o'clock and you don't want to see them, it's a business. They they have it ordered. Now, a lot of times, there's certain things you're supposed to pay for in life, and when you don't pay one situation, God will take that money and make sure you pay. If you steal something from the store, God's gonna get you some time at some point. Whether you get it on the same situation or get caught, it's going to happen. There's nothing new under the sun. And these things have been going on since the beginning of time. So I understand what you're saying. You're not on the fence. You're not off the fence. You are the actual property. You have the blog talk radio network, and people are getting on this to get something. But I want to give to your listeners the billions upon billions of audience that might not be here now. It shall come. You are ahead of your time. You 30 years into the future and talking to a person that's two years into their prime, it don't make sense. So the more you talk, the less they listen. Does it make sense to you? Well, you know what? Oh, yeah, it makes perfect sense, you know, because, I mean, I've had people say, I've tried to keep up with what you were talking about, but we we don't understand. And the thing is, is that I've broken it all the way down. 
because, I mean, there are other ways mm-hmm. to have this conversation, but I want the average person to be able to understand where, I come, where I'm coming from because, yeah, it never you know, will happen. And at the end of the day, when, it, when Moses seen God and the anointing came from God directly and it got from his beard down to the people of Israel before they left Egypt, it got diluted. And that's what happens. It's like a grapevine. If you tell somebody a number one and it's a 10-person grapevine, by the time you get to 11, it's a whole different story. So what I'm saying to you is you will never be accepted. You will never be rejected. People are going to always be lost because you're 30 years ahead of your time. If I wasn't a pastor and I didn't do all my studying, I wouldn't understand shit you're saying. Keep it 100. You're way ahead of your time. Well, you know, it's interesting, and, you know, and I thank you for calling in and, and, and sharing with us today because, you know, I, I do enjoy having, you know, people call in, and especially religious people, so that we can talk about some of these things. You know, I'm not religious, though. I'm, not, I'm a pastor, but I'm going to be Pastor Don Jr. CEO. They're going to write my name on the ballot in 2024. I'm not religious at all. Religious means when the sound go off, you got to praise a statue that's not yours. I can't praise a picture of Jesus that's not a picture of Jesus. I can't say it didn't happen in the spirit, but I can say to you, listening to your spirit, everything you said today was right. You on both sides of the coin. What I'm trying to tell you is you are an oracle, you are a prophet, because you're 30 years in the future, you're never going to be accepted listening to what other people think. That's true. That's true, and that's the thing. You know, I I consider myself an independent, you know, and when I say independent, I'm not necessarily talking just political. I'm talking about everything because I try to go on the outside and look at these things. And like I said earlier today, even when I talk about white nationalism, white supremacy, the alt-right and all of that, I do go and read their material and, and, and watch their videos. And, some of their you know, thoughts are right. Lot, some, of thoughts are on, no, some of their thoughts are on point. The problem is it's the hate when they're empowering the endorsement. The endorsement is they got some shit from Hitler. They revamped it and made it more politically correct between 19. But at the end of the day, the enforcement on the endorsement, they're not moving the same way. And when you look at Hitler's message, and I hate to bring his ass up, but if you really look at it, he wanted a unity amongst people that nobody understood. Now, it's way far-fetched. As a pastor, it don't make sense. But one thing he had a power, he was influential, and he made a lot of people kill a lot of other people for no fucking reason. So when people do that kind of shit, I need to find out why and how to actually implement that into the whole campaign. My, my biggest so situation realize- was the 700. Go ahead. I'm listening. Oh, no, I was going to say, did you did you know that a lot of Hitler's ideas he got from America and Jim Crow? Come on, he did. Listen, all he did yeah. was he impressed me by, okay, listen, this is fucked up, but I understand war. Without war, we don't live and we don't win. Do you feel me? We have to have these, okay, America doesn't win until we all have to bond together. When the, when the planes hit the buildings, we stopped being racist for 10 minutes, and we all hugged each other. We was hugging everybody except for anybody that looked Arabian, Indian, or Mexican. But if and you black, know what's interesting? Go ahead. Oh, we'll see what's interesting about that 
is, I know, and I've talked about this on the show before, and you know, but when a lot of these countries, particularly America, wages war, it's about economics. It's about us being able to produce those planes, those bullets, those bulletproof vests, right. and, and send the soldiers and the troops overseas, which opens up jobs for people in this country. So there's a whole, you know, economic system just based on war, on a war, you know, the industrial um, um, military complex. And so, you know, it's just really interesting because when I try to explain this stuff to people, um, it's, it's a mixed reception. But these are things that they are not being taught in school. And, and, and the truth of the matter is, for the ones that have learned this in school, they learned it in college, whereas you had to pay to get educated on the real history of this country, but also even on your own black or brown or red or yellow history. Because, again, you know, he who wins the war writes the book. Right? Correct. And and, Correct. and and that's what's been happening. And so it's really interesting because it's like, you know, I do this show and I do it freely and you know, that's that. Um when I go and I give talks, which are rare because I don't really like to do that, but you okay. It's you like, gotta put the wisdom I don't mind okay, going we, into we, black we and brown. Hold on, I gotta well, stop I mean, you right no, there. We like lost go, our values because uh, there's no more campfires. There's no more old people passed down wisdom. We send our grandmama a fucking thank you turkey and a thumbs up to say happy Thanksgiving. We don't call them no more. We don't get postcards with the family and everybody's in the ugly fucking Christmas sweaters. I'm saying this to say, you getting me out of my element being a pastor. It's kind of like when you watch the five o'clock news, you see the reporter, but then when the camera go off, he's a whole different nigga. And that's what it is. Right. And I'm not gonna lie. You you're bringing a nigga element out of me, but I'm bringing it to you to confirm you own alignment, anointing, and appointment with God's highway. Don't stop doing what you're doing. More people hate on Jesus. When you look in the Bible, the prophets got locked up, robbed, raped, shot, stabbed, beheaded, all that shit. If you really serve God, you're gonna have some heat. If you're not serving God, your life's gonna be easy. On some real shit. And I hate to hey. be like that, but that's the truth. It's interesting. You know, we'll just say life has been really interesting um, over the last, really the last 10 years. And there's a lot of people that don't get me. But there are some that do get me, but they see me as a threat. So anyway, I got to finish up what well, I'm no, talking okay. about today. I, I, I'm going to say, no. say this. I'm, no, I'm going to get out of the way. I'll put it like this. Out of all the pastors, preachers, reverends, doctors, and deacons, you know, you've asked them to come on the show. When they come on, they're so religious, they won't be real. I've cussed on this show. I've picked your spirit. But at the end of the day, I brought the word of God because you need to hear it. Whatever you do after it, eat the meat, throw away the bone. 97% you there. The Father, Son, and Holy Spirit that I bring as a pastor is already in your DNA. All I'm doing is waking up what's already there. That's when you watch The Secret. You watch these different situations, and they say, think and grow rich. You can have it all, but we kill ourselves by letting other people tell us what we're supposed to be. So all them haters, all them congratulators, they're great, but you know the power of what you got. I see the potential in what you got. You got to call me after the show, man. You got to call me after the show. We got to work together. You don't know what, how far <laughs> God can open a door for you. But I have the power to take it there. And I'm me on the matrix. And I'm only free people that's ready to be free. If I show you a red and blue pill and you don't take neither one of them, 
I'm not wasting God's time no more. I will not cast my pearls amongst wine. So with what you got from this is understanding, but it's only a smidget. You got a glass of water when it's a tsunami of life that's about to change the reality of the power of your network. I can't do that in 10 minutes. So I'm moving out the way. My name is Pastor Don Jr. CEO. I love y'all. I support this network. If you haven't already, you in the chat room, the show is closing. Call in 310-982-4273. 310-982-4273. And one more time for the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. 310-482-9173. Call in. Get involved in this conversation. If you're not recorded, you can't be rewarded by God. What you reap without your soul, you reap a, a financial blessing. You reap the harvest of real people. And I'm here showing up to show you God never heard nothing like your cry because you never cried. You said, God, why? And he answered. And that's it. Well, all right now. <laughs> um, you know, it's 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 been interesting, you know. Um, it's just it's like you just have no idea, um, you know, the different things that have happened, and you know how you, you you're making me think about some things, right? And so, <laughs> you know, I guess we'll. <laughs> no, and when I say you make me think about some things, you know, earlier in the show when I was talking about my mom, you know, and and how I was able to spend that last year with her, and she was able to impart a lot of wisdom and a lot of love mm. to me in that last year, because I am the baby, you know, mm. and um, and it's just. It's interesting, and my aunt, you know, when my grandmother died and my aunt came up, and she listens to this show as well. And so, you know, I had a conversation with her, and I may reach out to her sometime soon um, just just to say hello. But, again, you know, one thing that I, you know, that I wanted to say on the show today, you know, some of the stuff that I didn't get a chance to get to is that you have people out here that have all of these different viewpoints and unfortunately, with the secular community, you have some people out there, and I'm talking about some black and brown folks that are trying to forge a path into a black community and tear down the last vestige of defense, yeah. I guess I'll say. And, yeah. and this is where it gets really difficult for me because I understand what they're doing and why they're doing it, but they don't understand that the white people that are sending them to the black community to tear open that it, that gap. Two words, two words, Kanye West, Kanye West, destroy. Kanye West. He, he was right there in the most highest office, and the only rapper since Eazy-E to get that kind of media publicity and social media. And he had Jim Brown with him, and he said the most niggerish shit he could find. It's all a play on the media. I got 4,500 networks, 768 major media outlets. In order for me to get to where I need to be, I got to put 700 people where they need to be. There's 400 people on Walmart, 300 on the stock market. You belong in that class. I don't care what you've been doing. I don't know why God sent me here. I got the text message from my interns. I'm here. And when I hear it, 
in Proverbs 3, 5, never withhold good from those who deserve it. You sow positive seeds. You help many people. You're going to give a homeless person your last dollar fifty before you even put some food in your mouth. And you did it a million times. Stop fucking around with God's wealth for your wealth. You got a voice. You need to get it amplified. I'm the guy to do it. That's it. All right. Well, we thank you for your kind words, your words of wisdom, and, you know, for sharing with us today. You know, I do appreciate it. Um, I, I got your information. I wrote it down. And okay. um, is that your cell number? Yeah, it's direct. Is and you can number? Google it. It's Pastor Don Jr. CEO. Oh. You can Google me. I've been doing it for 21 years. I'm going to go on mute, but I'm going to say this in closing. Heavenly Father, Lord, bless everybody on the sound of my voice, Lord. Bless they vessels to receive the wisdom enough to know that this wisdom will turn into reality wealth over the next 150 years. That's 150 years of their lifetime and then 75 years of their kid's lifetime, Lord. Help them to understand the power they got, Lord. The creator of this broadcast, Lord, shelter from the crown of her head to the tip of her toes. Cover her, cover her, cover her. Keep your will in her life. Stop letting her see a box she can put you in. Give her the inertia to move with an unstoppable force because she's a trendsetter and a leader, and nobody will get to where they need to go until she opened that door. We forever give you an honor, praise, and glory. We said, done, did, anything that's displeasing in your sight, and we purposely did anything that's displeasing in your sight. The self, you're going to commit the sins in 10 minutes from now. Forgive us, Father. Jesus died for it all. We love you and we honor you and praise you in Jesus Christ's name. Amen, amen, amen. I'm here for the rest of the show. I'm going on mute, and I I yield the floor back to you. Well, thank you very kindly. And, you know, I'm going to put you on mute as well. So we thank you for, um, you know, stopping in for your words there. And I already know I'm getting ready to get tagged. I'm getting ready to get emailed. You know, I already know it's going to be an onslaught of um, commentary because, you know, again, um, (laughs) that's just how it goes, you know. And so it's going to be interesting, but, um, you know, again, you know, I think everybody who, you know, tunes in, who calls in, has something to say, um, whether you agree with whatever the caller had to say or not whether you agree with what I have to say or not, you know, everybody feels the way that they feel and and sees things the way that they see them. And, you know, and I do appreciate him calling in and being honest. And because, again, you know, a lot of these ministers and pastors, I know them behind the scenes. So I do understand that they're people. and, 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 again, you know, he hit on some things when he was talking about, the money, basically, you know, um, and how a lot of people are controlled by their lust, whether it's for money, power, sex, what have you. But, you know, again, I didn't really get a chance to get to a lot of the stuff that I wanted to talk about, but, um, you know, look up the article, what basically what the family reveals reveals about white evangelicals Donald Trump and the Wolf King, and that is on Vulture.com. You can look that up. I'll I'll put it into the show links later. 
But, um, again, I recommend Michael Lackey's book, African-American Atheism, Political Liberation, A Study of the Sociocultural Dynamics of Faith. And it's basically history of African-American religions. I told you all to go get Dr. Chris Cameron's book, Black Freethinkers. You know, I'm glad that, you know, he's put that out there. I'm going to contact him. Those of you that want a book, hit me up. I'm going to try to get, you know, buy a bunch of them from him. There is an article that I want you all to go read. It's Black Humanism, a Religion, right? And basically this is following a basically a post that Chris Cameron did, and Ben Alpers wrote this particular article here. And so it seems like I'm going to have to do a part two next week because it's quite a few things I didn't get to, but black humanism is black humanism of religion. And for those of you that have been part of this show and listening, I've talked about how they've turned atheism into a religion. And what's happening now is what I'm seeing with some of these humanist groups is they're trying to turn that into a religion. Not trying to. They have. It's just that they don't call it a religion. But it has all of the characteristics of a religion. And, you know, I don't need anybody calling me saying atheism means without religion. Yeah, we often look at a dictionary and mean a means without a religion, but your behavior and the way that you all have set these things up, like I said, with the David Silverman article, you know, the only thing that was missing was touch not mine anointed and do my prophets no harm. That's the only thing. And, you know, as I was saying to Mr. Pastor there, that, you know, they have people that they're using to basically make a segue into black and brown communities and create a wedge. And they're doing that to get an open to get an opening so that they can come in and finish destroying the last vestige of shelter that many black people have. And then you, I also need you to look at some of those same black and brown people that they're sending ahead to do that work. You need to pay attention to them because again, again, they're talking about unity, but what unity means is shut up and follow the white people. And they're looking at what they can get. They're so busy trying to get a seat at the table that, again, they've totally looked at the possible repercussions and consequences of their actions. And, and then it's, it's just it's crazy. So anyway, I want you all to look up Google Federalist White Supremacy Racism. I also want you to Google White Christians Trump. I want you to Google White Christian Racism. I want you to Google Black Christians Racism Trump. I want you to Google Religion is Not Mental Illness. I want you to Google Racism is Not Mental Illness. I want you to Google White Christian Supremacy Identity. And let's see here. Well, I, I think I've given you enough, you know, for you to look up. And then I'll come back and hit it up again next week. Next week's show won't be titled Give These White People Their God, well, Give These White People Back Their God, but it's going to be based on the premise of this particular show, and I'm going to get more into it. But, again, as I stated earlier, the Democrats are fucking up again. You're going to lose again, period. At this point in time, I'm still saying the same thing I said three weeks before Trump won. He's going to win re-election. We called that election before it happened. 
on election night, <laughs> I went to bed early because I already knew what was going to happen. And we told you, and we said, stop laughing. So anyway, I need you all to pay attention to what's happening with 45 and the inroads he's making into the black community. And, again, that's because he has basically suspended the Johnson Amendment, and he's also allowing these churches to now become conduits of a lot of money by allowing them to become political action committees. They're moving hundreds of millions of dollars. And I need for you all to pay attention and to understand what's happening and what the consequences and repercussions of this is going to cause, not necessarily in the short term. That's important to look at that too, but the long-term effect of this, which is why I brought up the Southern strategy and what's happening now, which is why I'm bringing up theocracy, which is why I'm bringing up the family, which is why I'm giving you the example of Kanye West and what he's doing, Candace Owens and what she's doing, Jesse Lee Peterson, and then that crazy-ass dude in New York, the man dude. Pay attention. So again, this is Kim with Black Free Thinkers. We are here to challenge you to think and live for yourself, not convert you. And for those of you that were offended by today's show, by my guests, I mean, that's life. That's life. We have different people. We have people that have differing perspectives. It's life. It's life. And if you're offended by what the pastor may have said, you should also be offended by some of the things that Sam Harris has said, some of the things that Richard Dawkins has said, some of the things that Christopher Hitchens has said, some of the things that Dave Silverman has said, some of the things that some of the black, brown, red, yellow atheists have said as well. So again, critical thinking skills. See you all next Sunday, 1 o'clock. I thank you and I appreciate you. Again, this is Kim with Black Free Thinkers. And for those that have been listening to the show, I appreciate you. All right, y'all. Have a good weekend now. Take care. And I did miss you very, very much. Bye-bye.